Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to On the Continent at the World Cup. I'm Andy Brassel. I'm Lars Seelton. And I'm David Cartledge. On this World Cup edition, we've got a Sandy Soir showdown in the desert, but how will England keep their hopes hydrated against the world champions? By then, we'll know if Leo Messi's World Cup dream is still alive or if Louis van Gaal's Dutch can defy expectation. Of course, the last 16 isn't actually done yet, so will Cristiano Ronaldo A, get there, B, have the opportunity to help Portugal get there, or C, even come a cropper against the Swiss? Now, obviously, during the World Cup, chaps, we have a bit of cross-pollination, don't Mm. we, with various football cultures. I know you all enjoyed Brazil and their European stars last night, even if they disgusted football culture by celebrating in a very non-European way. This dancing controversy is absolutely doing my head in that it is a controversy. I, for one, enjoyed watching Tottenham's backup striker and that underwhelming West Ham signing uh, do their stuff. (laughs) On the on the big stage. Are we talking about the goals or the dancing? <laughs> well, both, both. I was very disappointed, David, that we didn't get a forward flip from Pakatar. I know, it's all that was missing. It was, uh, it was fantastic. Uh, to be fair, I think I might have finished Roy Keane off if there was a, <laughs> if there was a front flip, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were, fa- they were fantastic. Are Brazil the favourites for you, David? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I think their level of play, their level of understanding... Um, I don't think they've really been properly tested so far, but I think when they 
have had a test, their defence has stood up. They just don't really allow shots um, to happen from close distance. Yeah. Um, Korea's like South Korea had like a lot of shots from distance. I thought um, trying to work the ball around, but. Brazil's defense is, is is excellent. So even if you do get past that defensive line, you've got Casemiro, one of the best defensive midfielders of all time. There, you get to their defense, and you've got an incredible uh, array of centre backs there. And if you get past them, you've then got Alison Becker to get past, who is mm. very very difficult to get past. So it's yeah, they've got some incredible lines of defense. Yeah, they're they're very clear favourites uh, with the bookmakers. So uh, anyone listening who feels that there shouldn't be the favourites, they need to hot foot it down to uh, <laughs> uh, because there's money to be made here. If you think they're not the favourites, uh, no, they, they they look very very strong. And the thing hanging over them always, as as the good Tim Vickery would say if he was with us, is uh, that made it sound like Tim's dead. He's not. He's just not on the show. Um, <laughs> What Tim Vickery would say, the esteemed Tim Vickery would say, which he keeps saying, is that we still don't know exactly what happens when this team comes against, up against one of the best European teams. Because they don't have a great record uh, in, in recent tournaments of, of defeating strong European opponents in, in the knockouts. They have a fairly abysmal record in, in such games. And I, I suppose they're a little bit untested in that because of the whole thing with the Nations League existing. Uh, it's hard to schedule high-profile friendlies now. Mm. Uh, so we don't really know how it'll... F- but but I don't see an obvious reason why it wouldn't work. I think Chicha has a conundrum in midfield, which is do you go with the full Yoga Bonito lineup with just Casemiro and Paqueta and Neymar somehow roaming around and then the three attackers in front of those? Do you actually do that when you come up against uh, one of the stronger opponents that you'll face? Uh, that's interesting. Maybe he'll be tempted to to drop a Freddy in there uh, against Croatia. To... I was going to say, I'm glad you clarified that because Freddy is listening to this going, I'm part of the Joga Bonito lineup. Well, no, Haven't I done no, well? No, well, exactly. He's not. That's the whole thing. And um, I think there's a balance issue there, maybe against a stronger lineup. But the thing is, against against Croatia, if if it was a completely like fresh and rested and uh, Croatia then okay, then you might say that midfielder Brozovic, uh, Kovacic and Modric could really, you know, pose some questions to this Brazilian midfield. But first of all, they're really tired. They look knackered. Secondly, they really lack cutting edge up front. I mean, as Davis rightly said, that defense is really strong. The goalkeeper is really strong. And, and Croatia are like messing about giving anti-Budimir minutes up front and stuff like this. I mean, they're, they're clearly not in a great place up front. A lot of their um, like kind of attack and pelt was coming from Perisic as well. Yeah. The strikers seemed to be quite isolated from the game. I thought first Kramaric and then Lavaja who came on later on. Um, and they couldn't really seem to get any rhythm together in attack. So, uh, again, I don't think they are the ones to present the test. Um, I think if they were to play some possession football in midfield, get Modric and Kovacic running things, get Brazil chasing the game if they can. But, I, I, yeah, I just that's the thing. I think Brazil need a better test. But my issue is I don't think there is a big, big test there. I don't think anyone's particularly mm. that good well, to get, test them. Sorry, but they'll get it in the final. I mean, that's what will probably happen, right? They'll probably beat Croatia. Then they'll get Argentina in the semis, most likely. That Argentina game will be like a cup final as well. So you can almost say that one's kind of the anomaly. The other games will be tactical battles. I think the one with Argentina is going to be very emotionally driven. Well, don't underestimate Croatia. They may be tired and grumpy, but they're like your granddad. They're not to be messed with. 
Let's talk about Europe's finest, though. Um, or not just France, of course, um, but England, who meet at Albayat on Saturday. It says here in my notes, France, they're not invincible. I don't know if Gary Barlow's been at these. Um, we've had a lot of traffic about it, as you can imagine. A reminder that you can tweet us at Football Ramble, at Andy Brassel, at Lars Sivertson, and at David Jacker, J-A-C-A. Um, we've got a couple here from Aaron on Insta. How many goals are England going to beat France by? Um, from Dan on Twitter, where will England be looking for weak points in the French side? Now, there is a, a, a danger, isn't there, Lars, of sort of seeing France as this Mbappe-headed bogeyman mm. with no weak points. We all know, all three of us, that that is not the case, don't we? Uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't fully agree with that. Uh, I think... It's a really funny one with the French because I think, as you know, I have my suspicions of, of Didier Deschamps. I haven't fully forgiven him for the sort of uh, uh, Rabiot wingback debacle at the Euros. But I do think <laughs> partially uh, partially because of the injuries, he has stumbled upon an 11 that really works here. Now, I don't think this is the 11 he'd be playing if everyone was fit. Uh, but, but the way it's turned out, it's it's working quite well. But But I do... I would like to see how this team holds up against a strong opponent, right? Because it's really exciting to watch. You've got Giroud up front doing his big, handsome Giroud thing. You've got the, the link between him and Mbappe. And then, you know, Usman Dembele doing it on the on the, on the the right flank. And, and Teo Hernandez playing because Luca obviously got injured, you know, bombing on down the, down the left. But we are talking about a team that's playing a striker and two wingers who don't really defend much. I mean, Mbappe is not yeah. going to do much defensively. Dembele is not going to do much defensively. So you're asking Griezmann to drop quite a lot deeper to pick up some of the slack and get involved. And, and he's been doing that so far in the tournament. But you also have Teo Hernandez, who's not a great defender. So a flank with Mbappe, who doesn't defend, and Teo Hernandez, who isn't great at defending, that seems a little bit vulnerable to me off the ball. I mean, it's fortunate that Griezmann can do the running of, what, six people, isn't it, David? I mean, <laughs> the thing that strikes me... It's well rested. Is there, there, yeah, there, there are a lot of parallels between England and France. I think both of them need to improve on their last 16 displays because England weren't great in the first half hour against Senegal, and France had their moments, certainly, against, against Poland. Also, you've got two of the most attacking teams in the tournament who you would not have picked as the most attacking teams in the tournament at the start. I mean, has that kind of happened by default? And does that mean we're in for a World Cup Classic? I think we'll be in for a really... Honestly, I think we'll be in for a really good game. I don't think it's going to be a lot of goals in it. You know, if I was a betting man, I wouldn't say there'll be many goals in it at all. I think it's going to be tense in places, quite fraught. I think there will be definitely chances. Um... I noticed against Poland as well. I think it was across the the, the three group games. Um, I think Poland had only managed four shots on target. Yeah, in the first half against France, they managed to double that. Yeah. So France are there. So the, you know the stats are there to show that they are there to be got at. I definitely don't think they're. You know, I, I don't think they're on Brazil's level, for instance, in terms of being as impregnable. Um, I think they can be got at. Um, so we'll see if England that, that's the thing though you need to have the initiative if you are going to go at a team you need to have the initiative to go at them and I sometimes question how much England will have the initiative in these games and whether they think about defence first before their own attacking approach I think that's a really good point David and going back to what you were saying Lars about that French left side that's functioned really well in an attacking sense between Theo Hernandez and Kylian Mbappe I mean, I remember going back to the first game that France played against Australia when Teo came on for Luca, and um, immediately Teo adds something to the attacking mm. part of the team, sets up Rabiot's goal. You know, he's a, a footballer that's 
great footballer that's kind of viced into this defensive register, really. Every time the ball goes over his head, he doesn't know where it is. His positioning <laughs> is, is all over the shop. And you saw that even against Australia. Now, the funny thing is, Bukayo Saka has been brilliant so far. There's absolutely no knocking that. I wonder if England would be missing a trick employing someone who cuts in when there's loads of space outside mm. Teo Hernandez. Is there a, an argument for having a right footer? on that side or someone someone who goes outside a bit more rather than inside but this this would be an argument for going back going to the back three wouldn't it yeah of, yeah of maybe. having of having uh, of having Kyle Walker as a as a right-sided center half mm-hmm. primarily with a brief to tracking Mbappe mm-hmm. and then unleashing uh, Kieran Trippier ahead of that to really exploit the space behind Hernandez which we know how devastating Trippier can be going forward and can put crosses in I mean that's an interesting one I mean David mentions Poland I thought that Poland really surprised a lot of people by being much more aggressive and much more front foot in that game, having been just an abomination against uh, Argentina and just doing nothing. <laughs> and then they, everyone assumed they'd just get smacked by France, but they actually came out on the front foot. Mm. And, and I mean, to say they were rattled would maybe go too far, but the French were not comfortable with that. I didn't think they looked happy at all when Poland came at them the way they did. But that begs the question, are England going to do that? Because I'm not fully convinced that's how they will approach the game. No, I, I suppose that's the thing. When you look at it, David, like, Poland had nothing to lose, really. Very much second favourites against France. You know, that, you either go hard or, or go home, I suppose. Whereas I wonder if France and England, who despite what some people are saying, are two fairly evenly matched sides. I don't think there's any doubt about that, certainly in terms of talent, in terms of form, in terms of approach to the tournament. Does that go the other way? There's there's a lot more to lose in this situation. Oh, there's a hell of a lot to lose, and I think it will be cagey. Like I said, I think it's going to be really tense between them. I think the, the magnitude of the game um, and who they're facing up to as well. I think, you know, so far both teams... Um, haven't looked across the field and seen another, you know, another team of absolute superstars. They're each going to look back at each other like that and kind of go, "All right, if we make a, one little mistake here, that could be the difference between us staying and, and going out." No, I, I think so. And we're here mainly to talk about France and not so much to talk about England. But I mean, that is the eternal knock against Gareth Southgate is as well as England have done under him. When in a tournament have they beaten? an opponent that was like right near the global elite and on the top of their game. I mean, the closest thing would be Germany, I suppose. But looking at Germany's recent tournament record, maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe, as much as that was an incredibly cathartic moment for England as a sporting nation, you know, maybe it wasn't the banner victory we kind of thought it was at the time. I mean, we we, we make fun of the Belgian golden generation, but they knocked out Brazil and and, and Russia, a very good Brazil team. And and that sort of definitive victory against a very strong opponent, England actually haven't had under Southgate, in spite of going to the semis and then going to the final of the Euros. So this is this is the moment for him. Yeah, this this is the opposite of what Southgate's England have normally got. They've uh, benefited from good draws. Yes, uh, and there's there's no doubt about that. Whereas this is very much a, a big test, very early. So it's, it's something completely different to deal with. But you talked about Southgate and our suspicions about him. What about Deschamps? And, you know, a coach who's won the World Cup, a coach who's been in charge for a decade, a coach who probably won't be in charge much longer, David, I think it's fair to say, with Zinedine Zidane kind of creeping in the wings. And I would say Zidane ends up there within the fortnight if England beat them at the weekend. I I think it's, it's that close. But Deschamps has put a little few things in our heads. And Lars touched on it earlier when we talked about, when he talked about Adrian Rabiot, playing left wing back, which was 
just a mess in the last Euros, he does tend to try and make things up on the fly. And he's not very good at making things up <laughs> on the fly. He's not one of life's great improvisers. And I think what really shook France and what is the doubt in the back of French minds, and I think there's a degree of confidence in the French media, but they're, they're very aware of how good England are, was that third group match against Tunisia. Because then is the point when they realised, David, that the reserves, or the coiffeurs, the hairdressers, as they call them in France, they're not their second team. Because of all the injuries, it's effectively a third team. Yeah, that's a good and point, yeah. compared to England, there's a massive drop-off, I think, between the first 15, 16 of France and the rest. I think so as well. I think if you look at England's squad depth, it's insane. You'd probably say them and Brazil have probably got the most options if they were to encounter an injury. Um, I think also tournaments are... It's a situation where you need players who perhaps weren't in your initial mindset, in your initial 11, to come on and, and to come through and to kind of, you know, be a star um, of sorts. Um, France are probably still waiting for that. I think there's a few coming to the England team. Um, I think we saw when the minutes had been given out, you know, there was a big debate about Rashford coming in. Mm. Phil Foden didn't start the first game. He stepped up as well. Um, obviously, Deo Hernandez came in purely due to an injury with his brother, but you know you, you look at France and you say, right, well, who's the player? Who's who the player? Uh, player or the players on the bench, really pushing for a place in that starting eleven? Who could who could come in and really really cause trouble for somebody who's there? And I don't know who there is. And also when it comes to that, and again, and I think there's parallels between Southgate and Deschamps as well in that they've had a degree of success, both of them. Uh, obviously, Deschamps is much larger with the World Cup, but people still aren't fully convinced about them. And it's, it's funny mm. when you're arguing about them and debating about them, um, you know, some people will just think you're crazy. You're like, oh, Deschamps won the World Cup. Oh, Southgate took England to a Euros final. Um, but I still think there are big doubts about both of them and their approach and, and how they go. There's, there's still something missing, I think, with both of them that will fully convince people. I don't disagree with any of that, but I think it's worth asking the question, does depth actually matter in a game like that? I mean, how many players do you need to come off the bench, really? And at the end of the day, they have just a stone-cold match winner up front in Kylian Mbappe, who... I guess that's the question. If Mbappe plays well, can England win this? Well, um, I'm not convinced. And I actually think, I want to repeat this, and I may have said it both on this and other podcasts in the past, that I think Benzema not being there is a really big advantage for Mbappe. I agree. Uh, because it clarifies the hierarchy of the team. Mm. Now, if that sounds a bit vague and wishy-washy... First goal against Poland is a great example. Uh, and let me tell you why. The first goal Mbappe scores. If you look at that goal, people will remember it. Oh, yeah, he smashed it in the top corner really good. Notice Giroud is clear on the on the back stick there. Giroud has made a really clever movement and is completely clear for the cross uh, on the back post there. And he's got his arms up and he's going, Bonjour, ici, I am Giroud. Je suis dans le back post. Uh, and, and, and here's the thing. Mbappe doesn't care. He's like, that's great, Olivier, but I'm Mbappe, and I know you're unmarked, but also the top corner is also unmarked, so I'm going to put the ball there. Now, if it's Benzema making that run, I think Mbappe takes a split second to consider, should I maybe cross this? Should I pass this? You know what? I felt in the Euros last year, David, there's, there's a strong element of blind date, wasn't there, between Mbappe, Benzema and Griezmann, and you don't actually get the best out of any of the three, do you? Whereas you have to say, you, you've talked about Giroud, you've talked about Mbappe quite rightly. Griezmann has arguably been the player of the tournament so far. I completely agree. I said exactly this on Twitter the other day. I said pretty much Griezmann, Bruno Fernandes have been the best two players of the tournament for me. 
Um, I think his usage, you know, we, again, we've talked about criticising Deschamps, but he's got Griezmann's role right, perfectly right again, to the level I've had Atleti fans message me going, hmm, do you think maybe we should get Griezmann playing this role when he comes back to Atleti <laughs> next year? <laughs> um, so yeah, he's been fantastic, he's playing as an 8, but he's also playing as a 5, as a 10, he's out on the wings as well still, and he's role, very much the, the, the Swiss army knife player. He, he has got everything about him in this team and what he can do. He's creating chances, but he's also cutting out passing angles. I think off the ball, he's one of the best players in the world. Him, his intelligence when he's without possession and the way that he understands positional play is, is, is fantastic. And yeah, for me, he's been very important. And if they were to lose him, I, I, again, I've made the point, I still think if they lost Griezmann, it would be a bigger loss than uh, losing Mbappe. So, right, I'm not having you two wriggling out of this question before we move on. If Mbappe stays fit, plays well, can England win last? Of course, it's a team sport. David? Of course, absolutely. I don't agree with either <laughs> of you. But... <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now, it feels strange having this discussion about Europe's absolute best and not including the Netherlands. But I think it's fair to say it is not the greatest Netherlands side we've ever seen, on paper at least. They have had the best return to their hotel. And I say that with all due respect to England after the Senegal game. And obviously Jack Grealish was at the heart of it. I don't think there will be a more iconic image in this tournament than a Memphis Depay dancing behind a Denzel Dumfries mask. But that really does say where they are at the moment. But despite all that, despite the fact they're very unconvincing in the groups and certainly in those opening two games against Senegal, which they could have lost, and certainly against Ecuador too, the Netherlands are there. And they can beat Argentina, can't they, David? They absolutely can. They're... Uh... They're one of the most disciplined teams at the tournament. Uh, Van Hal has, you know, it's it's not pretty by any means at times, um, and sometimes it is. Don't get me wrong. I, I loved it the other day. Somebody said to me that was uh, it was total catenaccio against uh, against the US, and I, and I, and I like that because it was they, they they lured them in. They lured them in, and I saw one of probably one of the best individual tactical moves I've seen in the tournament as well with Davy Klassen doing a man-to-man job on Tyler Adams. It completely reduced 
Tyler Adams has influenced, who was the US's best player coming into that game, um, and he they, they couldn't move the ball quick enough. If it didn't go through him, then they couldn't move the ball quick enough, and Holland uh, were able to just get behind the ball, defensively set up very, very well, um, and it, it was, it was a smart move, and it was, it was classic Van Gaal, and on the counter, they were they were fantastic, they broke with speed, they broke with a lot of um, intelligence as well, technique, um, and of course, you know, that man Gakpo adding, what, 10 million to his value every mm. goal now, is it, you know, I'm getting a bit more expensive for Man United, isn't he? <laughs> now, <laughs> you talked about them having a plan for Tyler Adams. Mm. There's someone else who they might have that in mind for Lars. We've got a question here from Albert on Insta. What do you make of the Dutch? Can they win it all? Or will Messi or Brazil slash France be too much for them? Well, I, um, I was really impressed. Well, I think win it all, I think, is a bit strong. But I was really impressed by how they approached the USA game because I've... Uh, um, I've, I've been watching the US very carefully during this tournament because I've been doing some work with some American people and just mm. really looking at this team and they have strengths, you know, but um, but Van Hal devised a plan that was very, very canny and, and like David says, he had uh, David Klaassen uh, blocking off the Tyler Adams thing, but also I think I can tell David Klaassen to do that and he'll probably do it. He seems like that kind of guy. He's a team player. He does mm. what he's told. But what I thought was really impressive was how surprisingly disciplined uh, Depay and, and Gakpo were in the first half at cutting off the passing lanes from the center halves and out uh, out to the fullbacks and, and to the eights for, for, uh, for the U.S. And, and with their positioning, they kind of forced... The center halves to, to play uh, play centrally, like when Zimmerman and Reem tried to move the ball forwards, the pass out wide wasn't available to them, so they had to go through the middle, where the Netherlands were were man man, like uh, like uh, David said, like Klassen was on Tyler Adams, De Jong and, and Martin De Roon were looking after the eights, so they, they ended up with just nowhere to play the ball, and playing long isn't really an option because Van Dijk was going to eat that up all day and he just kind yeah. of shut down the US and they ended up having quite a bit of possession but in areas that were completely unhelpful to them. I mean this this has real implications in terms of Argentina feeling messy. I mean they've kind of evolved this situation haven't they Lars around Messi where they've they've got exactly the runners who can do the running for him. I think you know you look at the introduction of Julian Alvarez I think that's made a, a massive difference. They desperately need Angel Di Maria back. I don't think there's any doubt about that because Papu Gomez, we'll come to you on that in a minute, David, looks cooked in in, in my view. He's been in really poor form for, for Sevilla. Um, if they can shut down the supply to Messi, it could be quite frustrating for him. I mean, in a way, is this not nearly as sexy Dutch team on paper actually quite well set to, to shut Messi out, Lars? They could be. Um, I I, th I think it's about cutting off the supply line. In Argentina, I feel like, aside from the second half against Australia, when they started going through the gears a little bit because they were, you know, very comfortable, mm. I haven't seen them really play well at all in this tournament. There's, are are they only, capable of it? I only, yeah, is the question. only really in the second half against Argentina and in, in, against Australia. And even then, they managed to concede a goal and nearly mess it up in the end. I mean, even though Messi was adding some moments to his compilation tapes <laughs> in, in that half, and, and that was good to see and everyone was having a grand time, that's fine. But they've looked very underwhelming for a lot of the tournament so far. I mean, when we're talking, David, about that midfield that Argentina have, have composed, and they have brought in Enzo Fernandez after insanely leaving him out for the first couple of games. He's been in wonderful form with Benfica. Rodrigo de Paul has kind of held on, which I find a, a, a little bit unusual. He's been quite underwhelming for Atletico so far. Okay, that's not necessarily important in the Argentina context. I remember thinking in the, in the celebrations after the Australia game, I've been wondering, 
why does the pal keep getting picked? He was having a very, very long lingering cuddle with Messi. Now, not that Messi has ever petitioned to pick his mates before ahead of the good of the team. But, well, I'll let you finish this sentence, David. Watch every video of Argentina arriving to stadiums, getting off buses, just going through the tunnel, coming out for their warm-up. Look at the pitches as well. De Paul is always at Messi's side. He's the bodyguard. That's why he's there. He he is Messi. Argentina's mate. Kevin Costner. <laughs> Look, you'd be uh, you know silly to not assume that you know Messi has considerable influence over who gets in this Argentina squad, who gets in this Argentina team, and De Paul is one of his picks. Um, it's a it's a well known. It's you know it's the worst kept secret now in in Argentina. Um, so that's why he keeps getting in there. But yeah, he has. He's been he's been really poor. I'd actually go as but say he's been worse than what he's been at Atleti. I think he's been that mm. bad. Um, and he's been kind of saved by, I think, uh, a breakout tournament from McAllister. McAllister's been fantastic. Um, I think without his movement from deep, uh, his his late arrivals in the box, then I think Argentina would be... They would have been really scraping it to get out that group. I think they would be yeah. in, even in bigger trouble. Um, Enzo Fernandez came in, like you say, but I thought against Australia he played far too deep. They were clearly using him as the third centre back, so he was building from deep. They were kind of hoping to do that, so Messi didn't have to drop um, so deep. But eventually, Messi still had to do it, and I think he's going to have to do it again. He's going to have to drop very, very deep, and that's what Van Hal will want. And he'll be thinking, look, he's the best player of all time. There's a keep him away from the goal and yeah. try and keep him deep. Keep him in those deep areas. Yes, he's got an incredible passing range where he can loft the ball over the top, but look, you'd rather have Messi 30, 40 yards from goal than on the edge of your area. Well, we've talked about the magician on one side. I'd be lying, Lance, if I didn't say I'd been looking for a long time to asking you this towards asking you this question. Memphis is getting himself fit, isn't he? <laughs> you love that man. I, uh, well, you, you, know, you, know, you know what? I think him being really fit and looking properly sharp yeah. made, made a massive difference against the US, didn't it? It, it really did, because in the group stage, it, it was Cody Gapko as really the only one doing anything for this team. Mm. Like, I cannot, they had two shots over 90 minutes against Ecuador. Like They, they were not good in, in the group stage at all, the Dutch. Is there budget Ibra vibes to uh, Hakpo and his, his role in this Netherlands team? Maybe a little bit, yeah. But then, of course, yeah, having... Depay come back and look a lot sharper against the US than he did earlier, then that that makes a big difference. The way that game panned out, I mean, it was all about the wingbacks, really. Mm. And they they won 3-1, and Dumfries had a goal and two assists, and Daly Blind had a goal and one assist. Like, it was all about the wingbacks, baby. Now, if... (laughs) If I was a cynical man, I would be thinking about Inter rubbing their hands together, thinking we were trying to sell Denzel Dumfries in the summer for a reasonable fee to plug a huge financial hole. Has this great World Cup for Dumfries come at exactly the right time for Inter, David? I I think it has, but... (laughs) <laughs> not for when it comes to Lautaro Martinez what on earth <laughs> is happening there <laughs> no, no one's no one's buying him no one's no one's paid 60, 70 he million for him so sold, does he he clearly he doesn't want to be sold he, he, he does not no Dumfries is definitely playing for the move Lautaro clearly loves it in Milan um, and he doesn't want to go so uh, <laughs> well, yeah, well, quite one miss he had when he just threw his arms in the air and was like what is happening like what is yeah. that well our good our good friend uh, Miguel Delaney tweeted at that point Lautaro Higuain yeah. Yeah, which yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I quite enjoyed I'm pretty sure if you go back and watch the highlights you can see the moment Higuain's spirit just ends <laughs> the body of Lautaro so, so if, if you're thinking of it from 
Scaloni's perspective, and you're not only thinking about a runner for Messi, who makes it most difficult for Virgil van Dijk? On current form, you can just leave Lautaro alone because he's going to kick the ball into the stands for no reason anyways. <laughs> I think you have to start Alvarez, right? Yeah, I think he has to start. But look, maybe it's my La Liga bias here. And I saw Papu Gomez not really making any runs, not really doing anything, quite frankly, just, just enjoying being part of things. Um, <laughs> I'm just here for the vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Angel Correa, um, just a mm. brilliant runner between the lines. He makes nippy little moves. He's very, very smart off the ball. He could be somebody who just buzzes around and, and causes problems and makes Virgil van Dijk look over his shoulder and, and just makes him second guess. So that, that would be my player. Has now, he... Has he um had minutes at all or is it, are you dropping him in no I don't think he has I don't think he's even had any minutes at all yeah he's one of the players not to get a kick so far now as we said earlier the last 16 isn't actually done yet I know we're full of enthusiasm about the quarterfinals but the last last 16 game is one of the most intriguing of them all as Portugal take on Switzerland obviously a lot of uh, historical and migratory yeah, you, links you between that, those two teams there genuinely is. Uh, you know, we all love these weird press conference moments. Mm. One of my favourites in recent days was uh, William Cavalier going, I had no idea Diogo Costa, his own goalkeeper, was born in Switzerland. Mm. Born there and lived there in, until he was seven before mm. moving to Porto, which is a, a fairly typical Portuguese migration story, I would say. Now, Portugal are really, really hard to pick what we're expecting of them. Um, I've always said they're very, very good at handling the Ronaldo situation because they've been handling all this stuff for over a decade and they're used to the drama and all the nonsense and they can shield the rest of the squad from that, et cetera, et cetera. There has been a big departure, Lars, in the fact that Fernando Santos has given Ronaldo a right telling off in public. He's never been there before and he wouldn't commit to having him in the starting lineup for this game against Switzerland. This is huge, isn't it? Yeah, well, yes, it does seem to me. It's not something that's really happened before. I've also noted that uh, uh, reports that increasingly Portuguese people don't want him in the lineup because they can identify that this is a guy who's just not doing it for them anymore. And I do wonder if with Fernando Santos, he's in a position now where what, what kind of leverage does Cristiano Ronaldo really have? Because in, 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 in part previous tournaments and, and, and camps, if he was acting up and just behaving like a, well the way he can behave, mm. Fernando Santos would have to say, well, what if he throws a strop and sort of decides not to play for me anymore or goes to the FA and whatever. But Fernando Santos knows, like, the, the guy's the guy cooked, like the guy is done. He's heading off to, you know, <laughs> looks like he's heading off to Saudi Arabia afterwards. I mean, this is a guy who's no longer massively relevant in the sporting sense unless he can actually come up with something for me in these 90 minutes. So why not put a bit of, uh, put a bit of heat on him? Is Fernando Santos like just the, the last man on earth to find out that Cristiano is an absolute prick? <laughs> uh, uh, it's strange. They've been together a no, while. No, They've been in many Pierce tournaments. Morgan is still behind him on that list. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, God, I'm expecting another interview after this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, re I think I completely agree with everything what Lars is saying. I think, you know, you might, I think he might still have a role in this squad, but like, I don't know. I don't think it's the one he's got designs over. I don't think it's the one where he thinks. Um, he has. Um, I think there's other players there pushing now. Um, and this just doesn't look good. This is just really, really bad once again. It, it just seems to be following Cristiano right now. It should be, I don't know, man, he's, he's, he's older. He should be settling could, down, cigar and slippers. But. but could there be an element of 
you know, if there's one thing that seems to motivate Ronaldo, it's it's sticking it to the haters, and and in his 100%. mind, and in his mind, yes. the haters is any person who's not a hundred percent drinking the Ronaldo Kool Aid. You know, any kind of gentle criticism means you are a hater. But, but so do you think you that say, Fernando Santos thinks okay? The view, the future doesn't matter right now. The, f- the, the future is irrelevant. Squad harmony is red. The only thing that matters is if we can get something from this guy against Switzerland. So yeah. maybe d- stick it to him a little bit in the press conference and see if you get a reaction. That's it's, it's an interesting theory. I, I mean, we have to say that many of the greatest footballers of our times and times past have always been you're either with me or against me. Thierry Henry, for example, is a very very good example of that. You know, any sort of perceived criticism he used as as, as fuel mm. that was that was very much part of of, of what he did um but what do we actually expect from portugal in this situation david because they are one of the hardest teams to pick in this tournament they were absolutely shambolic against ghana in that first game and won won it through what probably 10 minutes of great individual moments with joao felix and um rafael leal being a, a big part of that with the goals particularly and then you have the performance against Uruguay, which against a really tough opponent is measured, disciplined, polished. And then you get that game against South Korea with nine players who probably won't start the game. So we really have no idea of what to expect from Portugal here, if we're being, being completely honest, do we? No, not at all. I think it's all rather chaotic. Um, I think they have the personnel to control games, to dominate games, to take the games to opponents. Sometimes they don't do it, but I think there's also a few players in the squad that can can let them down as well. So, yeah, it, it creates a you know pretty chaotic vibe. I think they're going to be interesting to watch, though, but like not interesting purely through Fernando Santos's tactical brilliance and Portugal are amazing to watch. They're just for the fact that they are chaotic and unpredictable. I mean, I guess one side benefit to this Ronaldo situation, Lars, is it does quite definitively make it Bruno Fernandes' team. And Bruno Fernandes needs to set the register to be his most effective, doesn't he? He needs to, he needs to run things. Yeah, but then he's still in the team, isn't he, Ronaldo? I mean, he's not... You, you don't... Or do you think... You, no, you Andy not... Brassel, as the most Portuguese-savvy person in the, <laughs> on the broadcast, do you think he benches him? Do you think there's any chance of that happening? I think it's unlikely... But I think the way the team plays, it's more acceptable for everything to go through Fernandes now. Mm. I, I think that's the important thing. Mm. There's not the there's not the political and cosmetic pressure to play everything through Ronaldo. Because Do you think you the ha- players realise he's gone, so they might as well not play it to him all the time anymore? Yeah, I, I think that they realise that he's, he's part of it, but he's not the central piece anymore, yeah. which is really important. Now, I think when you have evidence, like that game against Uruguay is really good evidence, I think, of when Fernandes run things, Portugal are way, way mm. more effective. And I think you know, when, you, when you've got a situation like against Ghana, where they're just vicing loads of good players into really weird non-positions that they don't play for their clubs, I, th- I think that, that is something that they really can't repeat. Uh, you need to get players in the slot that they perform for their clubs. Now, I think you see that with Bernardo Silva, who a lot of people actually have spoken for, for a couple of years now and with increasingly loud voices as maybe going to be Portugal's most important player yeah. going forward. No, he's great, yeah. And you, you start that game against Ghana with, I talked about this in the Ramble, with Bernardo Silva dribbling the ball across his own penalty box. And 
Like, like what harm is he going to do? You were talking earlier, David, about you know Messi being so far from goal that he can't be effective. Well, Bernardo Silva can actually run, but if he's 90 yards from goal, he's not going to be able to, to do anything. When he's further up the pitch against Uruguay, Portugal are a different proposition, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. He's one. I think in terms of a centre midfielder, he's one of the best dribblers there is. So you do want him in that final third, especially against teams that are going to sit in. The Swiss are going to sit in tonight. They're going to play two very, very tight lines between their defence and midfield. Um, and it's going to be a case where you're going to want Bernardo um, to do that, to pick up the ball, to drive at the teams, to pull people out of position and allow others to move into the spaces that are left. So it'll be interesting to see if Switzerland can also keep him away from goal as well. So I, I understand why they can't drop him because you know he is who he is and you, you have like the millions of little Ronaldo bros on the internet being all angry and sad <laughs> uh, but do you not think this team would be more efficient if the game plan was Bruno and Bernardo Silva play as many through balls towards uh, towards Joao Felix and uh, uh, and uh, Leao as they possibly can is that not a better game plan for them than trying to set up Ronaldo somehow it could be. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And the thing that we have to bear in mind is Switzerland are not that exciting. They are very, very organised. I think they've got past that point where we can talk about them as a fly in the ointment, a potential banana skin. I don't, fl- I don't think they no. fly in the fondue. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's even worse for me. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm, I'm non-dairy. But I think when you look at this, this Swiss team... They have got every right to say that, okay, maybe player for player, we are not the equals of Portugal. Team-wise, they're at least the equals of Portugal. And what they have this time, as well as organisation, as well as players who are used to playing in a certain system and in the right positions, as well as having a brilliant goalkeeper in Jan Zoma and getting him fit is absolutely huge for them, David. They have got a striker in Braille Embolo He's actually in great form and starting to fulfil his promise. I don't think we can really be talking about the Swiss as being second favourites going into this. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought Mbolo up because I think, you know, his hold-up player, his ability to, to relieve that pressure off Switzerland, who do play deep, who do, do spend a lot of time defending, um, they have that focal point in Mbolo who can hold it up and just give them a chance just to come out of defence and push everybody up 25, 30 yards, and then Switzerland can start attacks. And they, they have. They've been really, really good against... Uh, you know, you, you look at them against Serbia, I thought. I mean, obviously, it was a lot on the line with that game, as everybody mm. knows, with all the, the geopolitics yeah. involved there. But if you look at that cards. performance... <laughs> if you saw if you saw that performance, there was a lot of personality there. There's a lot of character. I think sometimes look at this people who go at the Swiss and go, yeah, they're completely forgettable. Are, are they actually here? What, what what Switzerland are in the World Cup? But that was a performance where they showed a lot of personality, character, and it's something they can use against uh, Portugal here. I'd be very intrigued to see what uh, Sheridan Shakiri's role is. Uh, well, he because, scored his goal for the tournament because now. he is very often the. Uh, the spice in the casserole here. The, 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 the thing that I, don't know, I, 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 thought I couldn't do another fondue joke. Uh, I don't know. Do the Swiss do casseroles? Well, who knows? Um, but he's often the, the guy who livens up an otherwise slightly boring team. But we, we saw against Serbia. He was really after six, after about an hour. He was like, "I'm not. Nope. Not. I'm not running anymore. Uh, Sheridan is finished. I think uh, he's. Um, yeah. He, he's had a. He's not been great for the Chicago Fire. But the point is. As as you as you saw against Serbia, 
he does have he does turn up with the goal like he is the guy who can do the unexpected for them a little bit and and i think he's an important part i do wonder how you play it with this whether you start him knowing that you're going to have to sub him or if you start someone else and bring him on halfway through the second half, thinking what in, in the case it goes to, to extra time and this sort of thing. There's not many people, Lars, who I would accept the line he's not been great for the, for the Chicago Fire from. But I feel very confident. But he has accepting that. He's been very you. underwhelming. Yeah, well, I, I guess he really is, as Vish once described, the the Minecraft Messi in in terms of athletic mm, effort and capacity good, these days as as well. I think he's he's 31. He really doesn't look like he's 31, man, like in terms of how his... Tough uh, paper round, it's, it's mean, fair to say. I've got to tell you, I mean, some of these... You, you watch Atiba Hutchinson play for Canada, he's 39, he looks like he's in better nick than, than Shakiri. But, but, but I, I guess, really, the, the, the envelope thing is important, isn't it? Because we've had this discussion throughout the World Cup of, you know, veteran muscle memory versus in form. Embolo arrives at this World Cup really in, in form and this is what Switzerland haven't had before and I, I don't think you can get away from the fact mm. we've talked early, yeah, yeah, earlier yeah, yeah. in this tournament about the, the USA defended really well there's a lot of merit to what they're doing and then they've got the choice between what Josh Sargent and, and Haji, Haji Wright yeah. or Jesus Ferreira yeah exactly and, and then you're looking at Embolo a guy who always had lots of potential which was completely derailed by injury in the, so in the past, it was Seferovic who was expected to score the goals for them. But now, of course, I think part of the fact that he's been forced out of club level, that's another thing we can thank Mauro Icardi for, a bit of a hat <laughs> tip to him. You look at Mbolo and I, I think he has a little look at that Portuguese defence and thinks, yeah, I fancy some of that. This Swiss period now, I mean, this is not a... Maybe not a golden generation, but it has been a very strong generation. They've, they've consistently made it to tournaments. They've consistently made it out of group stage. Yeah. And I do feel like they've been one elite striker away from, from going further. And maybe with the uh, the awakening of, uh, of, of Riel and Bolo, then maybe that's what they have. With that in mind, I'm going to press you for a prediction before we go. David? Uh, I'm going to go 2-0 Portugal. Portugal on penalties. I think Switzerland on penalties. Ooh, this is exciting. Maybe we should get Pete to do another live stream. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.